verse and then move back over into Ephesians. And Sister Christie, for some reason, I do not have uh, the opportunity to connect, so I appreciate you uh, following along with us. Amen. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 31, it says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, if we look at this same verse in a literal translation, it reads somewhat uh, differently. And I think it uh, really sheds uh, some light on uh, you know, how to take advantage uh, of the benefits of this verse. And so from the Young's literal translation, same passage, but those expecting Jehovah pass to power, they raise up the pinion as eagles, they run and are not fatigued, they go on and do not faint. And so we see that this word, wait on the Lord, this phrase, wait on the Lord, is translated literally expecting Jehovah. And those who have their expectations in God, the Bible says that they will pass to power, meaning that we will uh, tap into uh, and experience in our life reality a power uh, greater than what we can uh, muster uh, ourselves. Now, last uh, week I asked you, a, a very important question, and that is, what place are you giving uh, Father God in your expectations? Do your expectations include Him, or do they exclude Him? Is God and His Word included in your imagined outcomes? Now, when we talk about expectations, we're talking about what we're, ex- you know, obviously imagining to unfold in, in a situation, in our lives, in our families, Okay. And so that's what we mean by imagined outcomes. Is God and His Word included in your imagined outcomes? The Lord told me that far too many of His people are expecting to be disappointed. Far too many of His people are expecting to be disappointed. So let me ask you that question. Are you expecting to be disappointed? Now, expectations are an excellent measure of your thinking, Right now, we're going somewhere with this. I didn't say this last week, but not in so many words anyway. But I'm just trying to review what we talked about last week. So, expectations are an excellent measure of your thinking. We could say it this way: whatever it is that you're expecting this morning is a result of some underlying thought process in your life. In other words, expectations are like the conclusion of a a, a process in our minds, in our thoughts, and in our thinking. So expectations are an excellent measure of your thinking. Let me say it another way. If you would tell me what you're expecting, I can tell you what you're thinking. See, if you tell me what you're expecting, I can tell you what you're thinking. Amen. Because your expectations are a product of, a result of your thinking. Now, go with me to the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20. Praise God. How many of you know that our Heavenly Father wants us to expect Him? Amen. He wants us to have expectations of Him. Let me, let me reverse that for a moment. You do realize that He has high expectations of you. He expects greatness. He, he, as a matter of fact, he, he put greatness inside of you in the form of potential. And He has high expectations for you and for your life. Now, let, let me just kind of remind you again that... The expectations Father has of you um, are beyond what you can accomplish with your own ability. In other words, he expects you. Well, how about Jesus said this, and, and, and this will get us to the really far end of the spectrum on this. He says, 
the works that I do, you will do also, and even greater works because I go to my Father. So he's talking about the potential that every one of us possesses. As he is, so are we in this world, is what the scriptures say. And, and so when we talk about the life that Father God created us to live and the expectations that he has of us, so many times we hear that and religion has programmed us into thinking, you know, that we can never please God, we can never live up to what he wants, we might as well not even try. No, 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 that, that's, that's not what we're saying, please. Um, the expectations that Father has of you, it, it involves the purpose and grace that he gave you in Christ Jesus before time began. And, and, and so he has high expectations of you, but never intended for you to try to live up to those expectations with your own ability. In other words, he wants to live through you, rule through you, reign through you, uh, and help you uh, live up to the expectations that he has for you. Okay. Now, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to, according to the power that works in us. According to the power that works in us. Now, just, this is a good verse. I often point out verses uh, to you, uh, highlight verses, circle verses for you to spend some time meditating upon. And this is a really good verse to spend some time meditating upon. Amen. Because there's so much here and it's so rich um, and, and what Father God is communicating to us through this, this one passage, okay? But notice that he's saying that he's able to do not just um, what, you're, what you ask or think, not just above what you, what you ask or think, and by the way, think could also be translated imagine, ask, think, imagine, um, but notice exceedingly abundantly above all uh, anything that you could ever ask, think, or imagine, not only is God able to do above that, he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask, think, or imagine. You see, one of the problems that's holding the church, the body of Christ, back in, in, our, in the world today is small thinking. We, we, we you know, we, we, yeah, I just, I, I'm not here to beat anybody up. I'm not here to beat myself up. But, but again, we, we have such small vision. We have such small thinking uh, uh, about what Father God uh, is, is, is able to do and, and, is, and desires to do and, and wants to do in and, and through and, and among his people. So he's, he's boosting us here. He's encouraging us here. He's inspiring us here. That, that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask, think, or imagine. But see, here's the problem. For so many of God's people, Satan has hijacked their thinking and their imaginations and, 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 and what they're even willing to ask um, God for. Um, in other words, we have such limited um, uh, thought and imagination, or, or, listen to me, the reverse of this is, is our imagined outcomes are all negative. Our imagined outcomes all end in lack. Our imagined outcomes all end in failure. Our imagined outcomes all end in disappointment. In, in, instead of, you know, thinking and imagining. And, and, and pic- can you picture yourself as a success? Can you see yourself winning? Can, uh, th- th- this almost sounds like some late night infomercial, but let me tell you what's sad about this. Is the late night infomercial people have hijacked these things from God and from his people and are now making millions of dollars by selling DVDs to people who can't sleep at night. This is the word of God. This is the birthright for every child of God. 
the power of God working in and through our lives to produce more in our lives than we could ever produce on our own. So notice, this God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, now's where it gets really personal. He's able to do that, not according to the power that He possesses sitting on His throne, but according to the power that He's invested in you, that resides in you and me right now. In other words, the power to do all of this already resides within the born-again believer. It's already in us. It's not a million miles away. It's not light years away. It's not three heavens away in a vault somewhere in heaven guarded by 14 angels. It's in you right now. The the day that this, this reality dawns upon the body of Christ is the day, amen, that, that the devil loathes, dreads, and fears. I want to give you this same passage, and we'll comment on it some, from the Amplified Version. Now, this one's a, a bit wordy, but it really uh, digs down into what's being said here. So let's look at this, Ephesians 3.20 in the Amplified. Now to him who, by, in consequence of, the action of his power that is at work within us, is able to carry out his purpose and do superabundantly, far over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, highest desires, highest thoughts, highest hopes or dreams. Man, what are you dreaming of? What are you desiring? So think about what he's saying here. The power to accomplish far above anything you could ask, think, or imagine is already at work inside of you. The power of God is in your born-again spirit. And your soul, the part of you that thinks, feels, and chooses, is like a valve. Sister Christie, if you will, go to, and I'm going to jump ahead, go to the drawing. It's slide number 23. Amen. Now, this is, if it's a bit, you know, uh, elementary, just that's fine. It's supposed to be. Um, We talk a lot here at Heritage um, about spirit, soul, and body. Um, You are a three-dimensional being. You are a spirit. You Listen to me. You do not have a spirit. You are a spirit. There's a difference here. See, we, 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 we often think of ourselves as being a physical being that has a spirit. Or how about this? A physical being trying to have a spiritual experience. My friend, you are not a physical being trying to have a spiritual experience. You are a spirit being experiencing a natural world, a physical environment. Amen. So you are a spirit, you possess a soul, and you live in a physical body. Your soul is the part of you that thinks, the part of you that feels, and the part of you that chooses. It's your mind, your emotions, and your will. The part of you that was born again is your spirit. Okay? Now, I'm going to back this up with some verses here in just a moment, Um, but I wanted to go ahead and show you the drawing. So we see that your spirit is a fountain. Jesus said that he was going to put a fountain inside of you. And then after he said he's going to put a fountain inside of you, he wanted us to make make sure we understood that that fountain would not be supplied with Bessemer Utilities water supply, but that fountain springing up inside of you would be supplied by rivers, plural, of living water. So rivers of living water flowing into your born-again spirit, and your born-again spirit would be like a fountain of life springing up inside of you. 
That is your born-again spirit. That is the power of God already working inside of you. Amen. Now, we shift over to the soul. And if you notice in this drawing, the soul is represented by a faucet. It is represented by a water valve. And we all know how a water valve or a faucet works. You open it up and the water flows through. You shut it off and the water stops. This, again, I, this simple drawing, I want it, I want it to, to, to imprint your understanding of these things. I want it to imprint how this all works and, and how God designed you and created you to function. So the Spirit of God, the, Himself inside of you, okay? But your soul, your soul is like a valve. It's like a faucet. If, if your thinking is wrong, it will, in essence, turn the valve off. But if your thinking is in agreement with and in alignment with the Word of God, it will open that valve and allow that living water, the power of God that's already working inside of you, to flow through you into your body or your life reality. Now, I have a limited library on, on what I could have chosen okay, for the, the, the image for the body. And for those of you who are listening to this and not watching it, um, there's a big old sack of money uh, there. Now, again, I'm not trying to be offensive to anyone, but 3 John 2 tells us this, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. All right? So when he addresses this to beloved or to brethren, he's, he's talking about born-again people. He's talking about people who have been born again. Their spirit has this supply of God uh, residing within it. Okay, But notice, when he talks about their physical well-being and their physical prosperity represented in this drawing by a sack of money, a big old sack of money, don't you look at me like that. You know all of you like to have a big old sack of money. Amen. We all go, prosperity gospel. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if we had sacks of money back there for you to pick up as you left this morning, every single one of you would grab one. Amen. We were laughing about my, some of you remember my Mimi that she's with Jesus now, but um, man, she, she was a card when she was younger and she was a really card, really big card when she, when she got older. But I went in her house one day, you know, those uh, shopping baskets are, they're about this big, and if you don't, like, need a, a big shopping cart, you just need like, a few things, you get one of those baskets, right? And so I went in her house, and she had two of those sitting on her table. <clears throat> and I'm like, Mimi, where, where did you get this? She goes, the, 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 the sign at the store said, take one. I said, Mimi, that was just for you to use it in the store, not to take. No, it said take one. It didn't say nothing about leaving it. It said, so I figured I wasn't going to win that argument with her. And so I said, well, why do you have two then? She goes, I got one for Hubert. Hubert was her husband, my grandfather, right? Okay. So uh, again, um, if, if, if there was sacks of money back there, take one. We would all take one. Amen. All right. So don't be offended at the money bag. But again, but again, the Bible says those who are perfectly trained in the kingdom are like the owner of a general store who can put their hand on anything that anybody needs anytime they need it. This is, this is the power of God, the rivers that, that live inside of you, okay? But now notice he says that you experience health. There's not a person in this room that doesn't want to be healthy. There's not a person in this room that doesn't want to prosper. That you would be in health and prosper, but notice, even as your soul prospers, See, 
the experience of, of health and prosperity in your life reality is not dependent only on health and prosperity in your spirit. If you've been born again, your spirit is as healthy and prosperous as Jesus this morning, okay? Because you were born of his seed. Amen. Well, the question then, why are we not experiencing that health and prosperity in our life reality? It's because the valve of our soul is in the off position. So do you see how when we talk about things like your expectations, listen, I could, I could take the word expectation out of my notes this morning and put faith in there. Or I could take expectations out of my notes and put the word hope in there, okay? And because we're basically saying the same thing. But expectations is, is, is the street level of where we live. Whereas I could talk about faith and you think, yeah, I'm believing this. But when I ask you what you're expecting, see, now we're, we're, we're getting down to you know, how, you know, things actually uh, are, so to speak, uh, in, in real life, real time, uh, in, in our lives. Now, let me, praise the name of the living God. Let me, let me give you, thank you, Jesus. Let me, let me give you some verses, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run through them quickly, okay, um, just to confirm what I've told you. So, first of all, John chapter 4 and verse 14. John chapter 4 and verse 14. Jesus speaking to the woman at the well. He says this, But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Okay? The word life here is not bios. That would be biological life. The word life here is zoe. And this is speaking of the life and nature of God. Okay? So notice he says the water that he will give to us Okay. He said, it will become in him. So it's not something on the outside of you, on the inside of you. Jesus, Jesus didn't say, it's over there somewhere, go access it. Remember when the religious leaders were scoffing and mocking? And he's, they said, Jesus, you talk all the time about the kingdom. When is this thing going to be inaugurated? When are you going to dedicate it? When are you going to cut the ribbon? And Jesus says, it's not like that. The kingdom that I talk about will be in you. It'll be inside of you. Amen. And so, notice he says, it will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So, if you understand anything about a fountain of water, you understand that it's under pressure. Right? It's under pressure. When you open a valve and no water comes out, it, it means that there's, there's either no water supply, the water somewhere has, has been shut off somewhere else. Right? Be, be, before it got to your valve. Amen. Why does that water flow like that? It's because it's, it's under pressure behind that valve. Now, I don't tell you this to frustrate you. I tell you this to excite you and to encourage you. The power of God that's already inside of us, it's not only in us, it's in there under pressure. In other words, we don't have to try to conjure it or work it up or, or work ourselves up into some frenzy, you know, to get the Spirit of God to move, man. Listen, He is in you. He is in you under pressure, amen, and He is simply waiting for you to open the valve so that He can flow through and forth from your life, okay? Now, let's go to John, uh, please, if you will, John chapter 7 and verse number 38, John 7 and 38, he who believes in me. Anybody in here believe in him? All right. Some of you do. Amen. I believe more of you do. It's just didn't want to raise your hand. That's okay. Amen. If your elbow needs healing, mine's healed. Yours is healed too. Praise God. All right. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, 
Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Now, notice we have clarification as to exactly what Jesus was speaking of. Verse 39. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, capital S, Spirit of God, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So what is he saying here? He's saying that he will be rivers of living water. But notice he's talking here on this side, on on the side that we're reading right now. This is before Jesus was crucified. So on this side of the crucifixion, Jesus is talking about something that will happen in the future. But we're not on uh, that side of the crucifixion, uh, burial and resurrection. We're on this side of it. We're on the other side of it. Amen. In other words, this is available to born-again believers right now. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. We have received the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But Jesus has been glorified and the Holy Spirit has now been given. I've got it somewhere in my notes. Don't look for it, Christy. It's fine. Acts, what did Jesus say in, in, uh, in the first part of the book of Acts? He said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive what? You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, let's go quickly to Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. So when Jesus was talking about the rivers and the fountains inside of you, he was talking about the Holy Spirit inside of you. Not just the power of God as some abstract uh, thing that God would, you know, you know, give to you, but the source of his power, right, is him. And so he's going to put one of the three members of the Trinity inside of you. The power of God, the Spirit of God. Okay, so Romans chapter 8 verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Okay, so now notice he's talking about what God does in your spirit flowing into your physical body, your mortal body. He's talking about the life and power of God that's in your born again spirit flowing into making alive your physical body. Amen. Well, as we've looked at already in the drawing, if, that's going, if, if, if that connection is going to be made, what's in you, made with what you're experiencing, it's going to require um, this, this whole renewing, if you will, of the mind, the valve of the soul to let it pass. Okay? Now, remember where we began. Am I going too fast for you? Man, I am so excited. I'm like over the moon excited about this, all right? Are, are, you, are, you, are you getting anything out of what I'm saying? Okay, let me kind of take a deep breath. Remember when we began. The Old Testament version of those who expect Jehovah will pass to power. They will, they will step beyond what they can do and cross over into, pass over into the power of God. Okay? Well, the same is true for us today. The, the covenant that we have with God is not less than the one that was in the Old Testament. It includes everything that's in the old one and is, is actually better, better covenant, better sacrifices, better promises than the old covenant. So in the same way, in the new covenant, the one that we have with God, if we expect Jehovah, we will pass to power. But in this case... It's not that we're stepping over into the power of God. It's when we expect Jehovah. Thank you, brother. I see you. I mean, some of you are doing it right. It's the power that we pass to. It passes 
out of us. The, the power that we pass over into, right, is it doesn't come from heaven down to us. It comes from inside of you, out of you. Okay, praise God. Through His Spirit who where dwells where? In you. It shall become in Him. It shall become in Him, He told the woman at the well. It shall become in Him a fountain springing up into everlasting Zoe. Okay, now... Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Let's go back there. I'm going to give you another assignment. I've been giving you a lot of assignments here lately, okay? Amen. If you're not already, let me encourage you, please, to begin to pray the prayer that's recorded here over yourself, over your family, okay? Any other loved ones that you would like to include in that, right? And over your family of faith. Praise God. Paul said that he did not cease to make mention of the church in his prayers. And this is what he prayed. Now this is very unique in the sense that it is a prayer. But at the same time it's a prayer. It is the Holy Spirit inspired word of God. So this is... You know, I tell you all the time, if you want to pray effectively, pray the Word of God. You know, say what God said when you pray. Amen. Well, here we have what God said in prayer form, and this was revealed to the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit, and this is what he was constantly praying over the church. Amen. And so I'm going to ask you to take up that assignment. It, it doesn't take long. If you do it long enough, it'll become a part of you. It'll become a part of your, you'll, you'll memorize it. Amen. Um, and so here we go. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So what does he pray? He prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Now look at me here for just a moment, please. Okay, I'm feeling the crunch of time, and so I'm talking fast. But let me settle down for just a moment, okay? <clears throat> there are all kinds of things that you and I can pray for, should pray for. Don't misunderstand me on this, okay? But if you were to sit down and make a list of all the things that would be important, let's say it that way, for you to pray over yourself, your family, your family of faith, um, I pray this as well over all of our ministry partners around the world. I pray this over my Foundry family and you know, the, the participants there at the Foundry and the, and the uh, uh, residents there. Um, Gina, I prayed this over you before I ever knew your name. I prayed that over John Mark's future wife. Um, are you following what I'm saying? Okay. So just like, just pray it. Praise God. Just pray it. Amen. I see you over there, Brother Darwin. Prayed it over you, brother, every morning, man. I prayed over my family faith, my foundry family. Amen. My family ministry partners in various places around the world. See, just, see eventually you just start rolling out of you. Amen. You start talking about it. Okay. But now, but I want you to think what he's saying here. Because he didn't pray that they would, would be wealthy um, or that they would prosper. He prayed that they would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God of the inheritance that's already been given to them. See, we can pray for folks' needs to be met, or we can pray for folks to realize their needs are already met. 
<laughs> you see the difference here? Do you see the wisdom in this? So rather than Paul trying to come up with every conceivable scenario that he could pray over all these people he was praying over, he just prayed that God would give to them a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him and that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened and that they may know. Okay? Know here means to know by experience, to know experientially, to experience in their life reality. Okay? So do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Notice it ends in a comma. Verse 18 begins with a lowercase t. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know experientially, that's what that word know means there, what is the hope, expectation, hope is an expectation word, What is the expectation, the hope of His calling? Remember what the Holy Spirit was saying to us in that final song this morning. That that Jesus is calling us. Okay, What is the hope of His calling? What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of His power? There's There's what we're focused on this morning, right? That we would know what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. Okay. Now He goes on to say, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, every name that's named this age, the age is to come. Amen. Praise God. Let me just stop right here for now. Do you see the connection between Ephesians 1, Romans 8, John 7, John 4. All of these verses are speaking of the same thing that Jesus came to do for us. So in, in John 4 and 7, he's talking about the fountain of life, the rivers of living water. And he says that he was referring to the Holy Spirit who would come and live inside of us once we're born again after his death, burial, and resurrection. That's happened. Amen. So now as born again believers, based upon the word of God, the Holy Spirit lives where? He lives inside of us. Shall become in him a fountain springing up. Okay. Now we see that that spirit inside of us, Romans 8, is making alive. It is, in other words, it's one thing for the zoe, life of nature of God, to be in your spirit. It's another thing for you to experience that life and nature in your life reality. Okay. But, but we see that that has been the plan all along. Now we see that the greatest display of God's power was not when Lazarus was raised from the dead, but when Jesus was raised from the dead. Now there's a reason for that. It's because when Jesus was raised from the dead, everyone that would ever believe on Jesus was raised from the dead with him, which includes you and me. But notice now, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, this is the, this is the greatest display of God's power. He's saying that same power now is in you. All right. Your thinking will either shut off or let the power pass through into your life reality. Okay? You still with me? <sighs> Praise God. All right, so... Let's go back to the drawing, Christy. Slide 23. Do you see now why it's simple, but I'm just trying to show you here. You've got the fountain in you, right? You've also got the valve that allows that to flow. Now, if the valve says it's too hard, 
If the valve says we can't afford it, if the valve says he'll never change, she'll never change, they'll never change, it'll never change. If the valve says that'll never work, if the valve says it'll only get worse, if the valve says it'll take too long, if the valve says I don't know how, if the valve says it's never been done before, if the valve says I don't have what it takes, if the valve says they'll never choose me, if the valve says it doesn't work like that, if the valve says I know but, that's what Brother Donald was talking to me about before church, he says those are the three most deadly words in the, in the mouth of a born-again believer, I know but, right? So what are we fixing to do? We're fixing to cross over into human logic, human reasoning when we say, I know but. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? This is the question that the angel of the Lord asked Abraham and Sarah when he announced to them that in their old age, having been childless well into their 80s beyond, that they were going to miraculously conceive a child and give birth to a, to a child of promise. And if you remember, Abraham and Sarah laughed at the idea of that. Not joyful, giddy, excitement laughed. Incredulous, skeptical, pessimistic, yeah, right laugh. And the angel of the Lord looked at them. God is so merciful and patient. He looked at them and he says, like, why are you laughing? Why, why do you think this is funny? Why do you consider this to be impossible? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Now, I want you to notice that Abraham and Sarah, when they laughed, they were failing to factor the power of God into their expectations. They laughed because they didn't consider that the power of God is able to do this. You see, their expectations were limited to what they could produce on their own. What, what, how they could conceive a child in their old age. And with men, that's impossible. Are you seeing this, right? So because they failed to factor in the power of God, was, that was not included in their expectations. And so they laughed. Now, we need the power of God working in our lives. Slide 29, Christy, I'll finish up here, okay? We need the power of God working in our lives. Somebody say amen to that. We've always needed it. I'm tempted to say something like this. We need the power of God working in our lives today more than ever. No, no, we've always needed it. You know, we, we, we sing these songs about needing God more. Listen to me. Your need for Him has always been absolute. Your need for Him has always been absolute. Hopefully, we're maturing enough now to realize our need for Him. We've always needed Him as much as we've ever needed Him. But as we grow, we get this sense that we need Him more. It's because we're realizing our great need for Him. We need the power of God working in our lives. We were never meant to live without the power of God working in our lives. Never meant to. God never intended for us to live a single day of our lives on this planet separated from His power and ability working in and alongside our ability. It's never, ever, ever supposed to be the way it is. The power of God working in you and through you was never meant to be optional. 
This is one reason why the devil fights so hard against the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me? You know, churches where folks fall out in the power of God. Come on now, we believe that around here. We've seen that around here. That happens around here. The power of God comes upon a person so strongly that they may begin to shake or, or, or whatever, and next thing you know, they hit the floor. See, there's a lot of folks, man, it's like, ooh, Thelma, get your purse. We out of here, you know. So. People are afraid of the power of God. That's how, that's how far we've, we've moved away from the power of God. We were never meant to live a single day without it. And there's a lot of born-again people, listen to me, there's a lot of folks in church this morning that are scared of the power of God. They don't want nothing to do with it. Pastors don't want nothing to do with it. I, I'm not here to bash anybody, but if I was to say his name, about every person in this room would recognize this man's name. He's with Jesus now, and he knows better. But he, he literally said, I thank God a miracle has never happened in one of my crusades or meetings. He didn't believe it. He believed that that was all over with when the last apostle died. There was no healing. There were no miracles. This is a very well-known, very, very well-known uh, Television pastor, evangelist, and, and, and has universities bearing his name or that he, that he founded. Listen, I'm, again, I'm not here to bash him. I'm not here to bait you. I'm just saying, all right? But no, that's how far we've come or how far we've fallen. I don't mean to sound like comes like progress. I got to finish. I know this. Are you still with me? Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 2 Timothy 3.5. I know we've been here before. Let's go back. We're going to go a little further. Having a form of godliness, speaking to people in the last days, having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. Here's my question for you and me. Are you denying the power of God in your life? To deny it means to refuse, reject, decline. Now, Stand with me. I'll finish right here. I promise. I'll finish right here. Thank you, Jesus. Think refusal rejecting. I'm sorry. Slide 36. The refusal rejecting and denial of God's power originates in our thinking. I'm going to ask you a question. Don't shout out the answer because you might be wrong. Okay? Okay. Now, and, you, and you can disagree with me on this if you want to. But I think when we, when we read about people denying the power of God as, as spirit-filled Pentecostal tongue-talking believers, we, we think that's talking about somebody else. Do you realize you can pray in tongues every day and deny the power of God by not factoring the power of God into your thoughts and expectations? Are you with me? I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm just trying to show you something here. See, it's very easy for us. Well, that's talking about them folks that don't want the Holy Spirit. That's, that's them folks that don't believe in the baptism and the Holy Ghost. That's them folks that don't believe in speaking in tongues, right? We, so it's very easy to think that that's talking about somebody else. To deny the power of God is, is, to, is to reject it. It's, 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 to, it's, it's, it's to not include it, right? So the refusal, rejecting, and denial of God's power originates in our thinking. Your life experience rises and falls to the level of your thinking. If the power of God never makes it into your thought process, it will never make it into your life reality. 
if somebody tweets, would somebody please tweet that from me? That needs to be tweeted right there. Praise God. Your life experience rises and falls to the level of your thinking. If the power of God never makes it into your thought process, it'll never make it into your life reality. Do you remember the valve? This is really important. You can be a born-again, spirit-filled believer who prays in tongues every day, but if the power of God is not a factor in your thinking and thought process, it will be a limited factor at best in your life reality. If we are failing to factor the power of God into our expectations, we are effectively denying the power of God and settling for the best answer man can come up with. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Repeat it after me. The power of God lives in me. The power of God lives in me. The power of God, the same Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in me right now and I expect Jehovah to work according to his power in me in my life above and beyond anything I can ask think or imagine thank you father thank you father so I told you about the nail gun last week Here's another breakthrough. I, could, I got more, but I get, here's another one, okay? When Pam and I sold our cabinet business back in 2000, we bought some acreage with the plans of building a home. Well, life happened. The kids grew up. We, Pam's dad, you know, wound up living with us. And we just never bought the house. We never built the house. And so we decided to sell the property. Well, that property, for whatever reason, just hasn't seemed to want to sell. And we've been trying to sell it for almost two years. You know where I'm going with this, right? Or else I wouldn't be telling you the story. Amen. Amen. Uh, cash money Friday. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Why? Because, you know, amen, I'm just expecting more than I can produce on my own. Amen. Just expecting more than I can produce on my own. Amen. Amen. It's that simple. You say, Pastor Mark, is that, it's that simple. Praise God. Praise God. Let, he, he enjoys doing... Th- Anybody in here enjoy doing things for your kids and grandkids? Amen. Our fa- we get that from Him. He enjoys helping us with stuff. But see, what He doesn't enjoy is when we don't expect Him to come through for us. Amen. Father, you're good to us. I thank you for everything that you've spoken to us this morning from your Word and by your Spirit. Father, I'm well aware that you've said things to people this morning by your spirit that never came out of my mouth but came from you because he's the Holy Spirit is our teacher today. Now, Father, I don't know what these men and women may be facing and dealing with in their lives. I mean, I have some idea because I'm a, I'm a born-again believer just like them, dealing with things just like they deal with. But, Father, whatever the case may be, financial, physical, Lord, something in their families, something in their health, um, Father, something on their jobs, Lord, maybe... Lord, just somebody here just can't seem to quite get settled about some situation in their life, some decision. Father, our expectations are beyond what we can figure out ourselves. 
Lord, our expectations are beyond what we can find and research on the Internet. Our expectations are beyond what other people in similar situations have decided. Our expectations are that your Holy Spirit is leading us and guiding us and enabling us and empowering us. And thanks be to God who always causes us to win in Christ Jesus. Lord, as we go forth from this place, let us shine like the lights that you've made us in this dark world. Father, that people would see a joy in us, a peace in us, a glow in us. Not to be corny, Father, but a light glows, a light shines. Lord, let us shine for your glory. Let people see our good works and know there's a God in heaven. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You're loved if nobody's told you that today. Thank you so much for being here. Go expect Jehovah this week. Amen. Good things coming.